Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we provide the internet with the life hacks they demand. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. You guys ever think about how weird it is to say your own name? Yes, every time I say it. Like, so, like, the name you hear the most in your life, by far, is your own name. Mm-hmm. But you almost never say your own name. That's true. Hmm. I feel like it's anyway, weird. I just ate a lot of peyote, so... <laughs> no, the, the name I hear most in my life is Jason Derulo, because I listen to all of his songs all the time, and he says mm-hmm. his name in all of them. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Jason Derulo and DJ Khaled are yeah, I was your, gonna say. Yeah, your exactly. touchstones. Mike, oh, Mike Jones. Does he do that too? Uh, I mean, he hasn't been famous for about 20 years. Are you I thinking think... about Spike Jones, maybe? <laughs> Which one? Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, poisoning Puppies in the Park, was that the 50s Spike Jones? Probably. Uh, he was a novelty was guy, right? Spike Jones did the voice of Porky Pig or somebody? <laughs> No, those were all Mel Blanc. Who is the... Just Blank? Didn't he Americanize it? Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. I had always called him Mel Blanc, but I switched back because I thought that was wrong. Everything's fucked up. Chuck Jones drew a lot of the Looney Tunes. Chuck Jones, that's who I'm thinking of. Uh I remember when I was a kid, there was like a Cartoon Network show called the Chuck Jones Hour, and that's when you knew you should stop watching Cartoon Network because... Yeah. Those cartoons are not good. <laughs> Chuck Jones is yeah. very good. What? No. A lot of them are parodying uh, stand-up comics from, like, the 60s. Like, how yeah. are we supposed to have any reference for that? <laughs> he animated The Grinch. How dare you? I hate oh, that animation. The animation is terrible in The what? Grinch. <laughs> You're both sick. He, he had the same problem that Dr. Seuss had, where he was like so up his own ass about creating his own rules for things that when you watch it now you're like, this is nothing. Like, Why is his mouth so curly and weird? Why does he have so many grotesque little wisps of stuff on him? Because it looks it cool. Me that the Who's have like pure one color, like blue uh, irises with no pupils. Because Here we go, let's get into it. It's like a yes. fucking Hummel figurine and I hate it. Yeah, oh, I was gonna say it looks like it looks like when a character has their mind taken over by some hostile force in <laughs> yes. like sci-fi, their 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 eyes changed like that. Um, I'm I'm mad that in the live you're action, mad. Games, I'm mad. You're mad. I'm dead. It's Father's Day. <laughs> it is Father's Day, but not when you're listening to this. Um. I'm mad that when they made the live-action Grinch, they didn't have the courage to make the Who's look fucked up and awful. <laughs> like in the, mean, the book. They, they do look, look pretty fucked up. I mean, fair. they look fucked up in a way where they're clearly trying to be cute, as opposed to looking fucked up in a way where you're like, no thank you. <laughs> well, I feel like they look like horrible uh, rat people, so I find that to be uh, dystopian, I guess. I mean, it... To me, it just looks like they tried to do with makeup what Disney does with drawing of, like, making the eyes big and, like, the head small. Yeah, that's horrible. (laughs) Yes, it is horrible, but it's horrible in a trying-to-be-cute way instead of horrible in a, oh, none of these things are human way. Mm -hmm. I don't know, they they give them prosthetics around their nose and especially under their nose. Mm -hmm. And it's very upsetting to me the way it, it changes the shape of a human head. Yep. Uh, Spike Jones was Der Fuhrer's face, and all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. He mm-hmm. was not. He was not poisoning puppies in the park. Okay, Jeff. The um, 
the 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 running trope of you continuing to look up something that we talked about five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we need to have a board meeting about this. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not on the board, so you guys can have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I vote to uh, replace Jeff as uh, president of this company. Is this a coup? What How are, dare what are you? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to be president. God no. <laughs> well. I, I vote that Louisa becomes president of this company. I was appointed by God to be president of this company. How dare you? Isn't there some uh, sci-fi thing where some dystopian, or I guess maybe utopian thing, where the person who doesn't want to rule should be the one who does? This sounds like the Twilight Zone. I mean, there's lot. that's yeah, like a, a, a philosophical thing, but that people have said for hundreds of years. Didn't but it come that, up in Hitchhiker's yes, that Guide, is, maybe? Yes, there is a... The, the third Hitchhiker's Guide book is mostly about that guy, who is the wow. person who least wants to be in charge. Okay. feels wild to me that you can remember which things happened in which book. Yeah, the only reason I can... I mean, I may be wrong, but the only reason I think I'm right is because it's, like, the very beginning of that book. Mm. And I know that the first two books are almost exclusively focused on... Uh, Arthur Dent and his notoriously asshole friend Ford Prefect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I first started reading and getting into the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy like fandom or whatever. There were people who thought that Ford Prefect was like a cool guy. Yeah, of <laughs> but course. he sucks so bad. I just don't understand. <laughs> the I mean, I guess not it's mutually like... exclusive, Matt. There's nobody who sucks in fiction that people aren't like, this guy is super cool. Yeah, I I just this morning was reading a thing about how apparently the subreddit for The Boys, that um, Amazon TV show, uh, has recently exploded because the mods have instituted a new policy that you're not allowed to talk about real-world politics at all, even though... Yeah. Every second of every episode of The Boys is a commentary on real-world politics explicitly, not even subtly. Now, I haven't seen The Boys, but I have seen people talk about that and Mm -hmm. uh, post reviews from Amazon, one-star reviews for The Boys, which are all like, this show used to be great, and in season three, they've suddenly made it political. Yes. (laughs) Everyone who watches the show is like, it was like this the whole time. Yeah, Apparently really a lot of people are very angry because Home the the showrunner has said Homelander the Superman analog is a is not trying to hide the fact that he is like a reference to Donald Trump. Um and people loved him I guess because of that. Uh and and now they're there's a lot of people who are like, in season three, they're trying to make Homelander the bad guy, even though in season two, he married a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird that that people didn't, like, the in the first season, we see that he's some kind of, like, broken man baby. Like, yes. I believe that there's a couple, there's at least one scene of him being breastfed by his boss. Yes, that does happen, but, like, I think that's what that's what these chuds want is like, oh yeah, he is a villain, but look, it's really actually that he's just misunderstood and sad. Like, it's okay yeah. to be awful if you're if you're just sad inside, because that's what they are. They're awful and sad that's inside. So strange. Yeah. Well, I think but it's like, also the thing where you have instead of looking at a situation and going, "Is this person a Nazi or not?" It's the idea that I know Nazis are bad. I would hate Nazis. If I identify with this guy, he therefore cannot be a Nazi. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's it's pretty crazy to me though that people could still do that, even though the character in season two called herself a Nazi mm-hmm. every time her superhero name was Stormfront. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they there was no this show is the least subtle show I've ever seen in my life. It sounds like it, yeah. But yet yeah. and yet, well, I mean, people didn't get a Fight Club, did they? Yeah. I, I saw the the best commentary on this whole thing that I've seen is somebody saying, um, if you wondered if satire is dead, it is now impossible to write a character so bad that somebody won't think that they're the good guy. Yeah. It's wild. Like, the less, the, I think it was the season two finale, ends with a little tag where Homelander is screaming, I can do whatever I want on top of a building while jacking off. Yes. And you're supposed to... I feel like you're supposed to notice uh, someone is evil when they're doing that. Well, I mean, he lasers a baby to death in that episode also. <laughs> like, like, there's yeah. no subtlety to this whatsoever. I, I do think that it is, uh, like, they fixed pretty much every problem that the the source material, the comic book original had. Uh, yeah. But there is, there does feel like one thing that's missing that I guess wouldn't it would be hard to recreate is uh, the comic book launched during the Bush administration and was very critical of that specifically. Yeah. Um, so I, that's why the showrunner said he wanted to mm-hmm. make Homelander more explicitly a Trump analog because he wanted to carry that energy, but for the current at the time presidential administration. <sighs> anyway, the boys is pretty good. I got to watch the most recent episode. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay, but <sighs> This is the thing, right? I always want a show to be, like, openly critical of right-wing politics, which it is, and be something that right-wing politics followers can't latch onto as being justifying their terrible beliefs. Yeah. But apparently they are. They are doing that anyway, and I don't know if I could ever like any media ever again. Yeah, the trouble is if they try to have any nuance, which is what you actually want if you want to engage critically with some media, some entertainment, it it can teach you things about yourself if it gets into nuance. But if it gets into nuance at all, people will misinterpret it. So if you're watching a show that's just like, Nazis are bad, this is all terrible, you're wrong for thinking this, like... It wouldn't be enjoyable in any way. I really, really liked that you decided to go with Nazis as the I pronunciation. Did. I was like, I'm going to do Thank this, you. and I don't know if it's a good idea. Like, no, it was excellent. Know. It makes Could it makes switch- you sound like Captain America. <laughs> Could we switch it to, to, to Nazis? Because Some that sounds... Yeah, that sounds like an old man in England during the Blitz would say that. <laughs> and, like... I feel like those were the people who are the least respectful of Nazis in all of history. And they were also least respectful of many, many, many other groups of people who probably <laughs> yeah, did actually true. deserve respect. <laughs> I don't true. respect the old men. I respect their disrespect of the Nazis. I see. All right. It's just a coincidence that all that stuff that we don't talk about that he did during the partition of India because he hated the Nazis so much. <laughs> I mean, I can I can appreciate somebody's uh, being shitty to Nazis and still think they're a bad person. Oh, yeah, that's too much nuance. No, you can't have oh, a TV shit. show anymore. Yeah, no, now no. your TV show is going to be beloved by r slash of the Donald. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Is that so still a going concern? I mean, it has to be, right? Is that a very 2018 joke to make? Yeah. You're I don't know. Those people late, will... 
Oh, Those no. people will keep going forever. Anyway, Jeff, what did you do this week? Uh, I played a game from a developer called Sock Pop. I started supporting Ooh. them on Patreon because I was intrigued by some somebody I... Uh, actually, it might have been Justin on the Besties uh, recommended their game Stacklands. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, if it wasn't him, it was someone else who was like, it's like Cultist Simulator, but it wasn't made by a sex offender. Um, and I was like, that sounds great because I couldn't understand, uh, Cultist Simulator when I played it. And now I don't want to. I agree with that statement. I played that game and I was like, I think I'm playing this game, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I've been not wanting to dip back into it because of the person who made it being bad. Um, but this one I tried out. The gimmick of this developer is they have a Patreon. And you can support mm-hmm. them for $3 a month. And for $3 a month, you get their monthly game that they make. They make and okay. release and put on Steam and everything a game every month. Um, and Stacklands has been, I think, far and away their biggest hit. It's the only of their games that has its own separate channel in their Discord and like mm-hmm. a modding community around it. Um, so the premise of it is you get a little pack of cards... Uh, and it's sort of like a low-res, cartoony style, and you click the card pack to open it up. You get you get this in the mail? Uh, nope, you get it right on your digital computer home device. Mm, oh, fancy. okay. Yeah, right? Um, and you... The cards, like, pop out onto the playfield, and one of them is... Uh, in that first one, it's always Villager, and it's like a little guy. And then there's uh, other ones like tree and rock and wood, and you can drag the villi- sheep. Not yet. <laughs> oh, there is sheep. No. Is this just settlers of Catan? No, it sounds like it's just settlers <laughs> of Catan. Uh, by making the cards stack in certain combinations, you can create different things. So it's sort of like a mix between a card game and that uh, doodle god or alchemy. Yeah, Which yeah, is, yeah. I, I, Those are the same game, I, just different names. Yeah, I struggled to say what... To, to, I was going to say mobile game? No, I definitely played it before mobile phones. Um, it was like a Flash game from the early 2000s, I think, originally. Something yeah, like that. Maybe it seems possible. Um, you know about this, Louisa? You know what we're talking about? Mm, I don't think so. There was there was a series of flash games, Doodle God, Alchemy, Elements, I think was one as well, where you would start out with like a bunch of stuff down one side of your screen that would be like, you know, earth, fire, wind and water and if you dragged two of those things into the middle of the screen, they would combine and you'd get a new icon. Okay. Um so like if you did like fire and water, you'd get steam and then the steam would be a new element you could add into things and then uh-huh. you would do steam plus earth makes smog or whatever and you would like Yeah, exactly. I think steampunk was one of the elements you could get. <laughs> it's the sort of precursor to all of those merge games. Oh, right, all those mobile games, which are, yeah. are advertised so strangely. They're all about the most horrible things in life. I don't understand them. <laughs> are we talking about the, those games where you put, like, three fairies in a row and then they combine to become a treasure chest or whatever? Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, it, it's sort of like that, except you have uh, 
cards and it, like they take time to make the things. So you, mm-hmm. your first instinct is you drag the villager over to rock or wood and like a little meter fills up and when the meter fills up, the villager uh, is released from the stack and now instead of rock there is uh, stone. Mm-hmm. And like that's a resource that you can actually use. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a neat little game that took me I played it for eight hours, which I don't think is how long you're supposed to play it. Um, like, I don't think I needed to play it for that long to see everything, but I did beat it. Um, ooh, bumped the table, sorry. Uh, I think that it is a fun little game if you're interested in those alchemy-type games. I think it is a fun game if you like a card game, and I think Sock Pop Collective is doing interesting things by having a $3 a month picture on where you get a little game. I'm just looking up how much it costs. Stack land. Oh, I do not I do not know the price of buying it separately. Goodbye. Oh, you have to buy it. Okay. Cuz it's it it's been recommended to me a few times on Steam, but like the graphical style has turned me off to it, but the gameplay sounds like something I'd like. Yeah, it is it's $5 on Steam. Um you can buy uh, all of Sock Pop's games for oh geez, they have ninety. They have ninety three games. Jeez, uh, and you can buy them all for a hundred and ninety dollars. Wow, seems like too much money. Yeah, unless you like every single one of them. <laughs> like, there's no way if you're making a game every month, there's no way even most of them are good, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but this one's pretty good. I'm gonna play some of the other ones soon. Uh, I didn't realize that they had been going for this long. Um, but yeah, Stacklands is five bucks, so keep it on I'll your wish list, wait till it's on sale, or just buy it if you have five dollars to spare. Yep, I'm installing it now. Uh, what did you do this week, Louisa? Uh, this week I watched a show that Matt had recommended, and I was also keen to watch it once I saw the ad for it as well. Julia. I have watched all of Julia Oh, now. Yes. This is the one about Julia Child. <clears throat> it is. It's very good. It's very relaxing. The problems are not serious, which is kind of nice. It is weird how it kind of skims across the surface of much, much, much more important problems like yeah. racism and anti-gay sentiment in the 60s. Yes, it definitely does. Um, the big conflict of the whole thing is Betty Friedan, famous feminist, uh, tells Julia Child she's not helping women. And, yes. like, Julia has a crisis over that, but, like, that's it, and that's... Really I it. love that that episode ends with an Avengers-style, like, Nick Fury coming to <laughs> yes. to save the day uh, post credit sequence, except instead of Nick Fury, it's fucking Mr. Rogers. <laughs> what? Oh, that's great. She's, Julia Child is sitting in the lobby of the hotel crying because Betty Friedan just is- told her... T- what? To set this up, this is at the gala for public television. This is what uh, okay. happens. That makes more yes. sense. And Betty Friedan comes up to her and she's like, Hi, uh, I, it's nice to meet you. You're setting back women yeah. and you're ruining feminism. And then <laughs> Julia Child is crying in the lobby and then this nice man comes up and sits next to her and he's like, Hi, do you want to talk about your feelings? And she's like, who are you? And he's like, my name's Fred Rogers. And I'm like, God damn it. Uh, he just says Fred because I was waiting oh, for it at that point. Because she meets right. this guy. He's like, hi, I saw you across the room. You seem sad. I thought maybe I could come and talk if you want. And she's like, no, but this is nice. We could just sit. He's like, that sounds well, my great. My wife and I saw you from across the yeah, room. Yeah, right. I thought you looked sad. 
But uh, he's a young man, of course, at the time. This is early 60s, like 63. And yeah. I went and checked. I'm like, he didn't have a show yet, did he? But shit, he did in Canada yeah, at this point. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he and Julia Child really did meet at that gala, and they really did become friends, <laughs> so that's weird. Who's playing him? I have no idea. He's good, Some though. Dude. He He seems yeah. personable. But he, of course, is... You don't realize when you when it's not Fred Rogers, but I'm like, who is this guy who's doing kind of a Gomer Pyle impression? And then I'm like, oh, of course. He's going to say his name, and it's going to be Fred, and of course he did, and that's true. Yep. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's a nice little show. Matt was right. They do things around one uh, dish for each episode of the of the show that they're making. So it's also the show that I like how little the episodes are actually about her cooking. Yeah, like you see her doing it sometimes, but it's so much of it is about the behind the scenes production of her show, and so the the meal that they're making on any given week becomes a metaphor for the other stuff that's going on kind of thing yes that's good and like i said i do kind of like that it is low stakes because the choices are basically do we lay out some of our own money to make a show that might not be successful and of course we the audience know it is very successful so that's not really a risk but to them it's a bit of a risk and then the the thing that would happen if they fail is they just have to go back to their nice leisurely affluent lives and write a cookbook (laughs) um i think that the writing in the show is so genius in part because David Hyde Pierce is a fantastic actor mm-hmm. and it would have been very easy to make him the bad guy on the show. Yeah. But instead he kind of becomes this like avatar for all man, like ma- the male gender <laughs> dealing in a positive way with the rising of feminism in the sixties. Like, he starts out not really getting it, mm-hmm. and he does things that are bad without realizing or without any kind of malice, just because that's what he's learned to do. Yeah. And he has to, like, change, and he does. So he becomes this almost heroic figure, even though he's kind of shitty a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think he did a great job, and I was reading about the show a little bit, and uh, it got thrown off its production schedule because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. So it was originally meant to start over a year before it actually started, and it had Tom Hollander was playing the husband, and I think he would have been terrible, because he always plays a bad guy, and I would not have thought he was sympathetic. Well, and last time we talked about this, I mentioned the fact that Julia Child was supposed to be played by Joan Cusack, which would have been terrible. Yeah. I I like Joan Cusack, but she would not have been good in this role. Anyway, so it did work out, and we got to see lots of David Hyde Pierce acting against B.B. Newworth, and they mm-hmm. are so great together. Did they, they are. Did they ever have stuff to do together on Frasier? I don't remember. I'm sure they did. Frasier went for so long, they <laughs> must have gotten into that phase of, like, we just need to write an episode where every character interacts with every other character in some way. But they're both sitcom veterans and Broadway veterans, so they yes. bring some of that to this, uh, you know, quiet, dramatic role, and it's very, very good. Oh, the episode where he's sick in the hotel and she has to take care of him yeah. is, like, some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen on HBO. <laughs> uh, so I recommend it to anyone who needs something quiet and calm <laughs> to watch. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's nice to watch and be reminded of the fact that, like, it, it it's... 
it continually reminds you of all of the very hard struggles people had to get go through to get where we are today, mm-hmm. but also reminds you that they did do those struggles and we are where we are today. <laughs> like, okay. it happened already, so you don't need to worry that much about it. Yeah, yes. Anyway, it doesn't give you a ton to worry about. It gives you lots to think about, which is what I like in a show. And yeah, yeah very nice. Uh, Matt, what did you do this week? Uh, well, I was just going to say, I think in general, the Julia, the the people who wrote that show did a great job of making it feel fun, but still mm-hmm. really thinking about what they're having their characters say and do Yes, in a way that a lot of shows just kind of are like, yeah, 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 we need to get through this scene, so this guy needs to say this thing or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I do want to say, speaking of sitcom people, uh, Judith Light also plays a role. She's a real tough uh, publisher. And mm-hmm. it's funny to me that uh, the character she interacts with, who we care about more, is named Judith. So she has to say Judith, like, constantly. It's very funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder also how much of that is, like... Because Judith Light was the, the mom on Who's the Boss, amongst yes. other things. Uh, and that, And she was sort of a groundbreaking role in sitcoms at the time as being, like... The working the, woman, yeah. The working woman. And so, like, in the show, she is playing a woman who is, like, constantly yelling at her subordinate woman for not being tough enough or, like, yeah. a, like a good enough representation of women in the workplace. And I wonder if they cast her in part as, like, a sort of a sly nod to that. Yeah, I wonder. Because the show is so much about the... the, the behind the scenes of television, like the inside baseball of television. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the casting and a lot of the writing uh, is is meant to reward people who are who understand the references they're making to the history of television. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> anyway, um, I've pl- been playing two games this past week. Uh, the first one, which I don't really want to talk too much about because everyone's talking about it, is V Rising, uh-huh. uh, the the vampire uh, resource management game. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> game. Um, it a lot of people have compared it to like Minecraft or Rust, uh, except you're a vampire, so that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, that's fine. But also, I've been playing, replaying a game I haven't played in over a decade. Uh, which is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Nice. Uh-huh. This is, so this is the part where the Jeff, Jeff wakes up and, <laughs> and starts paying attention. Um, I've been paying attention, I just haven't seen those shows, so I don't have nothing to add. <laughs> yes, fair. And I don't know who any of those famous historical people are. <laughs> um, I played Symphony of the Night when it first came out on PlayStation 1, I yes. think. In the 90s. Unless you played uh, it on Sega Saturn for some reason. <laughs> well, no, but I did play it again on PlayStation Pocket when it was a re-release or whatever. Um, and I wanted to play it now because both of those times I remember getting pretty far in the game and then being like, I don't know what to do next and getting bored and stopping. Yeah. So I want to finish the game. I wanted to emulate it using one of the many emulators I already have on my computer, and the only, the apparently the most recent release of this game and the best way to play it emulated is through a PSP game called Dracula X Chronicles. Yes. What? And you have to play through the first three levels, and then you can find a tombstone where you can dig up 
a copy of Symphony of the Night what? and then reboot the game and then you can choose to play Symphony of the Night instead of this bad game Why that you are playing? This? Dracula I X is know. pretty good. Uh, it's just a totally different type of game. I don't. I did not um, enjoy the three levels I played of it. I disagree that that's the best way to play the game because they re-recorded all of the incredibly iconic bad voice acting. Oh, I don't. I'm I'm playing it with the sound off, so I have not noticed. They also rewrote the lines, so like the "What is a man?" Yeah, they did have the miserable little pile of secrets line gone, which is a shame. No! Yeah, that whole that whole little speech is completely rewritten and re redubbed and no. blah blah. Blah. Um, yeah, blah, like how Dracula says. Yeah, it's a me, Dracula. <laughs> they replaced all of Dracula's lines in that scene with him going, blah, blah. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> that is good, because it would be hard to speak with your teeth like that. Yeah. You know? Covered in blood and pointy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, anyway, Symphony of the Night is such a good game, you guys. What kind and of game is it? It is, I mean, in the most... In the most iconic way, it is a Metroidvania game, it's by the, which I mean it is a t- 2D map-exploring game mm-hmm. with gear-gating where you can't get into certain areas until you unlock skills or mm-hmm. equipment or whatever. The term Metroidvania was coined as a disparaging term for people who didn't like that this game was different from the other Castlevanias. Yes. Um, the thing that is interesting about it is that unlike Super Metroid or many other Castlevania games. It is also an RPG yeah. in that your character levels up and uses like you can get like new armor and equipment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so one of the things that's frustrating about Metroidvania is to me is the fact that if you fight a monster that is just too hard for you to beat and you can't find any new skills like any of the new gear, the new Metroidvania gear-gating gear Mm -hmm. uh, to get further, you're just stuck. What Symphony of the Night does that's better is that you could just go kill a thousand zombies and then go up five levels and then go back and fucking wreck that guy. (laughs) Oh, that is pretty good. It is so nice. Hmm? I hate when a game bottlenecks you to, here's a boss who's incredibly hard, you are not allowed to do anything else until you beat this boss. Yeah. Or like, you know, and obviously Hollow Knight is one of my favorite games of all time, um, but one of the things about Hollow Knight that I think could be done better is the fact that when you get to the end game, there are so many bosses that are so hard to fight, and it's like, um, if you aren't winning, like, there's no more gear to get, you've got the max of everything, so if you can't win... You will never be able to win. Yep. Period. The end. Um, I got like, the bad ending of that game and have decided that I've beaten the game and will not get the good <laughs> ending of the game because there's absolutely no way I can do that. Yeah, the the God Rush mode at the end of the game, if you want to get the the best good ending, where you have to beat every boss that you've beaten throughout the entire game without taking any damage at all... I'm never going to do that. I'm not capable of that. I'm aware of my limitations to that point. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Symphony of the Night, I could just level up to level 5,000 and then (laughs) it would be fine. (laughs) I would kill them in one hit. See, this is is why Elden Ring clicked for me when Dark Souls didn't. Because Mm -hmm. those bottlenecks are removed. You could just be like, "Mm, I'm just going to go kill that crow 45 times and become level 1,000. And then Moog can eat my butthole. (laughs) Yeah, I like hmm, I like in Elden Ring the fact that when you level up, 
you are spending resources to choose how your character grows in a way that a lot of our other RPGs don't really give you that option. Uh, it becomes very weirdly like capitalistic in that way, where everything costs runes, including your own personal growth. <laughs> yeah, you could buy swords or being faster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I think that there's something very charming to me about older RPGs where you're just like, every time you level up, you get better in every way. You yeah. are instantly just better. Uh, it really makes leveling up feel like important. Yeah. Um, the first time I leveled up in Elden Ring, having been used to other RPGs, I was like, what do you mean I get to raise one stat by one point? <laughs> I just spent half an hour collecting the doodads to level up once. What are you saying? Yeah, it's... Especially in the late game when those stat points really don't mean a whole lot. You know, the difference between 45 and 46 in faith or whatever is so minimal. It really starts to feel bad that you spent five and a half million runes on one stat point. Oh, now I want to play Symphony of the Night again. You should. It's great. It's such a good game. And, like, it's one of those things where I feel like there have been a handful of games in the history of games where something has come out and everyone agreed this is the best version of this thing. And then no one did it again. Like, no one bothered to keep doing it. <laughs> and I don't understand. Like, there's never been as... I mean, I think everyone would agree. There's never been as good a Castlevania game as Symphony of the Night. I would... But there could be? I would debate you, you on that. I th Okay. I think... You think that one where you can uh, capture and train monsters to gain their skills, Pokemon style, is better? Uh, you kill them and absorb their souls because you're the reincarnation of Dracula. So right. you made it sound lame, but it's badass, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I, it just follows your obsession with Pokemon mechan <laughs> mechanics in every game. Fair. Uh, I think that the GBA and DS ones are all quite good, and Dawn of Sorrow does approach Symphony of the Night level greatness. Um, I do not... Personally, I don't think it exceeds it, but I'm also very forgiving of the ways in which Symphony of the Night is extremely stupid and annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say... Probably part of this is nostalgia glasses, but even when Symphony of the Night is stupid and annoying, I find it a little bit endearing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you didn't know any better than to be this bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, in 1997, we didn't know that you couldn't gate the half of the game behind items that you can't, like, find normally. And mm -hmm. some people just beat the game thinking that you kill... Richter Belmont, and the game story ends forever. <laughs> yes. The thing that's more frustrating is that there's so many parts where you're, like, just walking along, and then suddenly the floor collapses under you, and it sets you back an hour. <laughs> oh, and there's no indication that that's about to happen. I can't believe we used to be okay with that in video games. Uh, yeah, but, like, it's, it's... I think part of the charm of it is it was before a lot of the visual language, the, like, game design language was fully firmly established. So, mm. like... If... <laughs> you didn't know what people wouldn't accept anymore. <laughs> exactly! Well, whenever... Uh, to go back to Hollow Knight as an example, because that, I think, is the, like, purest, like, the, the closest we have gotten to the platonic ideal of a perfect Metroidvania... But there's something a little disappointing in that, because 
unexpected things don't really happen, because in a well-designed game, things are, you know, foreshadowed enough that you don't frustrate players by introducing surprises. So, like, when the floor falls out from you in Hollow Knight, you kind of have, like, a couple seconds to notice beforehand, and you really don't need to get out of the area that you fall into until you get some certain special item, and, like, it's not just a random weird punishment that seemingly happened for no reason. I think there's a middle ground there, though. Like, the best parts in Hollow Knight are the parts where something terrible happens, and I'm like... Oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> like, I should have figured out that this floor was going to collapse before because of that shaking, but I just thought that was a like a, a stylistic choice. I that makes that's that feels good to me as a player. Like, oh, I could have figured this out if I'd oh, taken yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, the idea that there's just no foreshadowing at all, and then suddenly you're fucked, is very not feeling good while I'm playing through Symphony of the Night. Yeah. I like the visual style of it, because they were like, we only know how to make Super Nintendo games, but the PlayStation is so powerful compared to that, yeah. that we're just going to add a bunch of, like, random bloom lighting and, like, uh, tra- yeah. tracer, like, shadow trails and random 3D models in the background. I think that people were so excited to move away from 2D gaming that they abandoned a lot of the best stuff about 2D gaming, and, yeah. like... Again, probably a lot of this is nostalgia, but I love an old 2D sprite-based game. Well, the they're, thing... they're so simple and easy to understand what's happening. Yeah, the mm. thing also is... Objection. You're, you're playing it on a 2D screen. Like, yeah. you're, you're having a 2D experience. So sometimes, as we know, when games try to get to 3D, like the cameras pointed in the corner or whatever, like, bad things can happen because it, all you've got is 2D, actually. Mm-hmm. Jeff has an objection. Yeah, I'm doing my Phoenix right, <laughs> slam my hands on the table and yell, hold it. Because Matt, you said you hate the pixel art visual style of games. I didn't, yeah, I don't like pixel art. You understand that pixel art and 2D sprite based are two completely different things, <sighs> Matt right? likes FMV games as well. He wants footer. <laughs> I do. I only really want to play Sewer Shark. No. <laughs> I like, uh, I mean, pixel art, I think, was necessary when computers couldn't do better. But a 2D sprite based game that isn't pixelated is the peak aesthetic for video games in my mind. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Dragon Quest games in the when they were in the era where they could actually have, like, things that looked anime-ish looked really great to me. Or, like, um, all of the, like, Sega CD uh, 2D games were really good. That's all still mm. pixel art, though. It's just uh, I mean, better it, looking. It's like higher well, fidelity. Yeah, I mean, when people say pixel art, they don't mean they don't mean all art made with pixels. There's a very specific aesthetic to pixel art, which is that like blocky, squared off look, which they got rid of as time went on. And like Super Nintendo uh, had the processing power to make it so that you didn't really see every pixel, which is what I don't like. I see. And nowadays when people do pixel art, they're just doing it because it's easier and cheaper. I still think that that's the case 90% of the time. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I used to think, everyone says, oh, but it's it's like there's an art to it. 
everyone says that, and I used to agree, and there is sometimes, but now I've seen enough people say, well, there's an art to it, it's special, and then the thing they make looks terrible, <laughs> that I'm like, yeah. well, you just thought it was cool, though, is all, really. It's... And, like, if it's not saying something in your game, if there's not a a bigger point to having it be pixelated, you're not going to convince me that it was an intentional choice. I'm certain that you're doing it to save money and effort. Yeah. I don't know. I think that uh, drawing things that way is no longer as easy as it was when that was, like, the main way games were made. Um, I mean, to make it look good or authentic or what have you. Um, Because of, like, anti-aliasing and stuff like that? uh, It's... What's a good example? Like, Shovel Knight, for example, is Mm -hmm. very specifically limits itself to the vertical resolution that the NES could output. It doesn't cheat at all. There's no, like, smooth modern text like those Final Fantasy remakes have. Um, See, I would say that's an example of doing it well. It's doing doing that to say something. Yeah. Like... It's that is not just an aesthetic choice. It's also narratively important because the sh- the game as a whole is a commentary on how gaming used to be. Yeah. Um, so I I think that uh, something like Shovel Knight is doing a good job. Even yeah. Stardew Valley, where the style it's emulating, I think is kind of busted looking. It's at least consistent. Uh, but then there's other games I've played where I'm like, hmm, you could have just... You didn't have to... Uh, but Here's the thing. Shovel Knight and Stardew Valley are both games that I enjoy. Um, but being completely honest, even though the pixel art... You're absolutely right. The pixel art does is saying something is important narratively to the game. Um, it's those games will never lure me in because of their aesthetics. Mm. I will never look at a pixel art game and be like, I want to play this because of how it looks. I'm always playing it in spite of how it looks. <laughs> yeah. That's what's interesting to me. Um, because thank you. I am very interesting. So well, I, I feel like the, the way a lot of people who are making these games now grew up was playing emulated games on their computer <laughs> Mm-hmm. with pixel-perfect reproduction. And then they are making games designed to look like that. But right. all of... But actually, exactly. when we played them as old people... <laughs> yeah, well, See, when... when... are we going to get into the era of the low-polygon, like, uh, oh, the happened. original Final Fantasy VII, like, oh, yeah. trying yeah, to yeah. make graphics look that bad? Already happened. Yes, it's definitely in the process of happening now. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't um, seen any of it, so I look forward to it. I think they're doing a remake of uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core or something that looks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the the game that I very briefly mentioned earlier, V Rising, a lot of people are saying is visually inspired by the Legacy of Kane games, mm. okay, uh, which were from that time period and. I think the main reason that that vampire looked so fucked up is because they're like, well, we've got eight triangles. Let's make a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's that's exactly it. In the like 80s and 90s, they were working with uh, limitations that they knew about beforehand and could design around and towards. Uh, yeah. So 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it's a whole different thing to see, like, for example, even something as busted looking as Zelda 2 Link's The Adventure of Link uh, mm. on, like, an old tube TV versus on an emulator that mm. looks like a completely different game. Yeah. Yeah. And to, Louisa, to your earlier point, um, this month, if anyone out there is a subscriber to Humble Bundle, uh, one of the free games this month is a game called Pumpkin Jack, which I've heard is very good. I haven't played it yet, but it is a game made recently uh, by people who were who were children when Spyro the Dragon came out, mm-hmm. and it is it is just Spyro the Dragon made by people now. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a whole genre now called. Uh, that they're calling boomer shooters that are like, what if so? What if we made Quake or Doom, but now, but it still looked like that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Like the people who made Quake, uh, what was it? Doom, but with ray tracing? <laughs> yes, but the Doom modding community is a whole different can of worms that we simply cannot open. That's true. So instead, we'll talk about what we do on this show. Yeah, um, watch a bad. Oh, movie. I recommend everyone play V Rising and Symphony of the Night. Get okay. really into vampires this summer. It's the summer for it. It's the summer of Morbius. I do feel like this might be the vampire resurgence we've all been waiting for. Vam- vampire summer. It's been zombies for a long time now. I think it's time for vampires again. Yeah, do we all do agree? It. Yes, of course. Let's uh, just okay. like vampires. I also like how, uh, like old-school Lestat-style sexy you yes. can make your vampire in mm-hmm. V-Rising. Yeah, you need a can ruffled give them... shirt. Yeah, you get, like, ruffled shirts, you can have, like, a <laughs> permed hair and, like, a little pointy beard. Oh, it's so good. I want sinister vampires to come back. I want vampires like to be... Like Count Orlok? Mean... Like Sinestro? Yes, like Sinestro and Count Orlok. Uh, no, like, mean vampires who are dickheads and murder people. Like... I, I want there to be... That's every vampire. You just described every vampire, Jeff. Well, no. Well, we'll do it in secret. Yes. There's the the shameful vampire, I think, came to rise in the uh, late aughts and early twins. With your you beloved go... angel. <laughs> yeah, with... Wanna... I think angel started it, and then Twilight yeah, followed I know. I'm, up. Yeah. I'm making fun of you for being a fan of angel. It's a good show. <laughs> Uh, do you want to get all the way back to the weird, feral, possibly nonverbal type of Nosferatu vampire, or what? Yes, absolutely. We need okay. to get we need to get feral vampires that are kept as pets by uh, serious perverts in cake like pancake makeup. <laughs> I like that the movie Dracula had both those sides, and they were both vampires. They were weird yes. monster creatures, but then Gary Oldman was like controlling them. <laughs> That's this is why perfect. I know I know that you guys both make fun of me for this, but this is why I think Vampire the Masquerade is such a good <laughs> tabletop role playing system. No, I mean, that's because, just because you're a '90s goth, Matt. I mean, that's part of it as well. <laughs> I definitely had a spiked bracelet in high school. Anyway, um, no, but like the the fact the idea that there are different classes of vampire, just like there are different classes in any RPG, mm-hmm. makes all of these make sense and is really good actually and cool. Yeah. Right. I, I like the I just the way I want it done is if you like it's depending on the circumstances of your vampiric birth, you have a a different vibe. 
And yeah. I want none of those vibes to be, I had to move to Seattle because the sun doesn't come out. It makes me look too hot when I'm in the sun. I mean, this is what I wanted to say before, which is that I, I hear what you're saying about the reluctant vampire, but in every vampire story I've ever seen, at some point, that vampire becomes a murderous dickhead for at least a while. Yeah, we mentioned Lestat, but... Uh, he was it... a murderous dickhead for a lot of it. No, no, here's what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> uh, tying back into Interview with a Vampire. Uh, what is Brad Pitt's character's name? Lewis? Anyway, Brad Pitt's no. character, that vampire is the synthesis of uh, uh, Edward and then becoming a monster, you know? Because mm-hmm. he hates it at first, he refuses to bite people, he's so beautiful, but he's like, oh, I'm horrible, I'm a horrible monster. But then he just becomes a monster. Yeah, the listen, there's so much wrong with the Twilight concept of vampires, <laughs> and most of it is the idea that, like, you, you can become a vampire and get all the good stuff of it and mm-hmm. never have to worry that much about the bad stuff. Yeah, exactly. As long as what you're What the fuck is the heart. point of that? Yeah. What are vampires a metaphor anymore now? I think I mean it depends on the media, right? They say zombies are a metaphor for the fears that liberals have, which is that there's a mindless horde that will destroy everything just for no reason. And vampires are a fear that conservatives have, which is people are uh, super sexual, uh, gender fluid, and they can influence other people. Like, they they spread their vampirism to the young, etc. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I I know, like, the initial, uh, a lot of the initial zombie framing in, like, the first burst of films in the 50s and 60s was just like, Ah, uh, what if nukes turned people into weird monsters? Yeah. Um, type I of mean, stuff. In, in, like, Midnight Mass, the vampire is a not-subtle metaphor for, uh, like, peer pressure and oh. indoctrination into uh, cultural norms. That's, That's fun. strange. I wonder how that works. I guess I'd have to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, like, the, the whole... The premise of the show is that there's an island where the community is so small that ev- almost everyone goes to the same Catholic church... Yes. Uh, and then that Catholic church kind of gets taken over by a vampire, and then... That's like a trap if you're going to be Catholic, where everything's so cool and gothic. Yeah, <laughs> everything is... are going to be attracted to it. <laughs> exactly, it's all pale like, skin and red velvet already. <laughs> exactly, so they don't even notice at first. I mean, like, that. you're, you're joking, but that's literally what does happen in the show. <laughs> that's great. Oh, we have a statue covered in blood. Yeah, we've always had that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... Oh, wow, it's weird how this priest keeps on telling people that if they drink this blood, it'll make them immortal. No, that's our that's our normal thing. <laughs> we yeah. already did that. Not weird, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, yeah, everyone should watch it. But anyway, what do we do on the show, you ask? Yay. Well, we mainly try to revamp the image of vampires. Yes, but also, the revamp. Mm. Oh, a show called Revamp. Oh, this is a good oh. idea. Uh, yeah, it's uh, far rescue for vampires. <laughs> CW, get at us. We will write you a, a eight episode series called Revamp. We gotta get John Taffer on board. Is he a vampire? He's the bar, he's the bar rescue guy. I believe he's oh. secretly a vampire. <laughs> yeah, that's why he keeps naming all of the bars uh, the the blood hole or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the crimson vial. 
There we go. That's much more vampire-y. The blood hole is like a werewolf thing, I feel like. <laughs> the blood hole is the dive bar in the vampire neighborhood. Yeah. And yeah. The crimson vial is kind of the bougie one where they'll like, light a cocktail on fire for you. I like how much uh, True Blood played with that idea because they do have the dive bars name things like the blood hole and the fancy clubs as well. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, what we actually do on the show is we go to WikiHow and the su- go to the suggested articles page and enter a random word, and then that random word gives us a list of questions people have asked about that word, and then we give people advice on how to do those things. Today's random word is peak. We're going to help you achieve your peak performance today. Yay, this is what peak performance looks like, and it looks like talking about vampires for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yep. It also looks a lot like asking a lot of questions about how to set up your speakers. <laughs> yeah, I'm so disappointed that very few of these are actually the word peak. I I have, throughout my life, had been asked uh, many, many times to help people with setting up sound systems for, like, public events or whatever. Yes. And I'm never... I, I, it never ceases to shock me how people that think you it's hard. the wires up wrong and you get shocked by those speakers. Yeah, we've yes. all been there. <laughs> <laughs> no, the opposite. Like, it it doesn't seem to me like a thing that you could have a hard time doing. Oh, it's okay. so simple. Yeah, you plug like, the red cord into the hole that's red around it to let you know. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> and, like, you want the microphone to be amplified, right? Okay, then take the cord that comes out of the microphone and put it into the thing called an amplifier and then sound will come out. Yeah. No, I, I don't think the understand. problem is, if you connect it up and it doesn't work, then what do you do? That's when you need some kind of skill. I guess so. I don't know. I've literally never had a problem figuring out how to make a sound system work. Well, how come sometimes you get that microphone feedback and then people know what to do, but I don't? Yeah, because, listen, the microphone is picking up sound, right? And then the amplifier is outputting that sound louder. But mm-hmm. if the microphone gets in front of the amplifier then it's picking up the sound that's coming out of the amplifier, feeding it back into the amplifier, making it louder again, and it creates an infinite loop. That's why it's called feedback. See? I didn't know that, though. This is why well, you are doomed to set up uh, sound systems <laughs> wherever you go. Yeah. Well, anyway. Now, <laughs> did we actually do an educational thing on this show? Because mm. I think that means we have to stop. <laughs> If we accidentally did an educational thing, we have to stop? uh, Jeff didn't chime in, but I feel like, Jeff, you must have done this, because I know Matt got into this because he was in theater, and if you're in theater and have any common sense, you get stuck in the uh, sound system or lighting uh, trap. Yes. Oh, yeah. Anything that requires the ability to understand how uh, the square peg fits into the square hole and not the round hole... Mm-hmm. Um, which a surprising number of people do not understand, uh, <laughs> means that you have to do that job for the rest of your entire life, uh, including <laughs> up till now, where I'm the guy who knows how to fix printers at work. The only one. <laughs> of course. It's just, it's one of those things that, like, feels like it shouldn't be a skill. Yeah. Reading a manual and, like, following all the steps. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I had I had someone at work the other day ask me if I would be willing to train other people to do some of the things that I do, and I certainly am willing, but so much of what I do is just, like, when other people are freaking out, not freaking out, and instead reading all of the instructions, and then f- that fixes it, like, 90% of the time. Yeah. And I don't know how to tr- teach somebody 
when you're when you are when you think that you don't have anything else to do, stop. Think about what else you could do, and then do that instead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if it's something like a uh, mass-produced office appliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I get maybe something weird happens with a computer and the problem's hard to find, but, like, a copy machine or a paper shredder or whatever, all of that stuff has a manual that tells you all of the, like, maybe 200 possible things that it could do and the yeah. way those things could interact in the most minimal ways, and then you know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if if the problem you're having is with, like, wiring up a Raspberry Pi or something, then I have more sympathy for you. But it's surprising how even that scales down pretty well. <laughs> like, it's still kind of the round thing goes in the round hole. Yeah. All the way down. I don't know. It just It's just... Like, there are things that I'm like, oh, I don't know how anyone is able to do that. Like, you know, uh, painting a a beautiful piece of art. I will never understand that skill. But I feel like it shouldn't even be a skill to be like, I need to, like, I something is broken. I need to think back to when it wasn't broken and then make it that way again. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, part part of it is an inability to... Uh, coldly diagnose. Uh, mm. I, I, I get that, like, oh, my focus is I need to get this work done, and so I need this device to just be working. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you sit down, you take, like, maybe an hour of your day, and you, like, look at the error messages it's giving you, and, yeah. like, maybe unscrew a couple screws to look inside... You could probably just find, like, the little plastic thingy that's broken that you can hold up with tape or whatever to make it work at least enough to get your current task done. <laughs> I, I love when you it... take apart something, not electronics, this is, I mean, it could be, but when you take apart a fan or something and you're like, oh, there's a burn mark here and this thing exploded. <laughs> I've yeah. solved it. Mm-hmm. I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a switch that says broken and I just need to flip it to yeah, off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Oh, no, I forgot what I was going to say, so never mind. Oh, okay. Uh, Jeff was talking about opening stuff up, taking out some of the screws. Oh, I think a lot of people short-circuit themselves with a belief that inanimate objects are hostile towards them. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Like, a lot of people give up because they're like, well, people who make computers just make this hard for no reason. And it's like, they're trying to make it as easy as possible. So if you come at it from... What? I don't agree they're trying to make it as easy as possible, but I do they agree definitely that's are. To figure it out. No! Of course it's in their the oh computer maker's best interest to make it as user-friendly as possible. It's just that sometimes... Yes, I know we think that's thing, common sense, but it's the, more likely when people get into that programming hole that they start to antagonize, uh, in their mind, antagonize the user, and it's like, people are just too stupid to get what I'm doing. I don't need to make it easier, they need to learn more. No, I no. I think that you. I mean, unless you're using an extremely niche program that is no <laughs> small go, scale. It, uh, Louisa only uses Dick's Last Resort Photoshop. <laughs> yes, they keep calling me an asshole when I'm trying to print out my photos. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's what thing, you want, though. <laughs> the thing that you forget, and I know this because I work in this exact field of like 
programming a software that is used by a large number of people is that even if you do get into that programming hole where you're like, okay, I'm writing this program to work this way because of XYZ, it has to go through so many layers of people who don't understand what you're doing that like it's just easier for everyone if you make it as easy to use as possible. And mm. anything that's in there that's more difficult <sighs> is in there because it needs to be to do the thing that it's doing. I don't think I agree, only because you could say the same thing about, like, a comic book store. This is a small, uh, you know, family-owned business. Of course they wouldn't want to antagonize customers. Of course they would want to make sales. But you get into the thing where no, the people no, no, working no, no, there no. are assholes. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. Because they're a small family-owned business, they can be assholes because there's no one above them to be like, stop being an asshole. Whereas if you're using, if you're going to, like, Target, sure, there's lots of things wrong with Target, but the checkout person at Target is not going to be like, actually, fuck you, get out of here, because they'll be fired, because there's somebody above them who doesn't give a shit about anything, but is like, this is going to impact our sales, so get out. I would like to believe you, but there's a lot of games and things that are made in such a way where it's like, well, this menu is very hard to use, but if you try to give that feedback... People are like, no, it's not. You just need to learn these five things. It's not hard to use. That games That's the big... customer. <laughs> that's Yeah, game, <laughs> games is a very different thing than... I guess I'm thinking like... about putting in tickets on GitHub and being like, I would like this feature. Or like joining someone else's, I would like this oh. feature. And the programmers being like, no, you don't need that feature. Yeah, if you're dealing with something uh, small enough that you're getting it on GitHub and they're taking criticism on GitHub, I think that you are encountering the uh, assholes who want to make the program their way, and if you don't like how they're making it, then deal with it. Yeah, Yeah. all right, that's fair. I'll concede that. I'm saying, though, when people are like, well, the people who program Windows are just trying to make my life hard. (laughs) They're not. They they are trying to do something extremely complicated as simply as possible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people in between though who don't care if you don't get it though. I mean I guess that's more on I don't care businesses. if you don't get it. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you're complaining about Jeff. It's <laughs> yeah. me. Uh I'm just thinking of how many times I at the end of something uh, mm-hmm. in a business would be like, hi, our printer's not working. We've tried plugging it in in a different outlet. We've tried this and this and this. And then getting an email back like, well, can you try it in a different outlet? It's like, you didn't fucking pay attention to anything I said. I hear what you're saying, but also as a person who's responded to IT tickets before, sometimes when you do that, the person's like, oh yeah, no, now it works. <laughs> That's fair, but you have to believe me when I say I try these things first. first Do I have to? Sometimes I'll say to somebody... You are the problem now. Sometimes I'll say to somebody, can you please reboot and try again? And then they respond to my email in less than 10 seconds, and I know they didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but... I am owed the belief that I have tried the thing I just said I tried. How do I know if you're owed that belief or not? You have to to believe that of other people if you're dealing with them. You just have to. You have to use the keywords that lets the person know that you know what you're talking about. You have to don't say that you rebooted. Say that you power cycled the device. There you go. (laughs) Then the person will be like, ah, they know the lingo for when you turn something off and then back on again. I've got so, a special sticker on my car that says I do know how this works, actually. Yeah, the fraternal order of IT people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my other car is a power cycle. <laughs> oh my god, that's so that, radical. Do they, they call them that in Tron? Because they, they really know, should. They're light cycles, but power cycles is so good. 
Um, I guess you're welcome, uh, Yamaha, for us giving you the mm-hmm. name of your new series of motorcycles. Yeah, or saxophones. <laughs> yeah. Are there any or combinations keyboards. like um, Captain EO might ride on the same motorcycle oh, that is yes. made of musical instruments? <laughs> a motorcycle make, shaped like a saxophone. <laughs> could you make a motorcycle powered by music? Oh my god. Not that only could you, about. but you should. <laughs> I think that's what most Meatloaf albums are about. Mm, that's a good point. Wait, hold on. I agree with you, but they're not about electronic instruments, I don't think. Yeah, those are those are motorcycles powered by, like, the devil, right? But the devil is playing guitars. guitars. Yeah. Yes, diesel-powered guitars, that's exactly no, it. No, that's Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, you're right, that is <laughs> We're getting all mixed up here. Uh, Mad <laughs> and Hell and Mad Max are the same thing, prove me wrong. Is Meatloaf in any of the Mad Maxes? Because if not, that's a real shame. Yeah. He was he... on a motorcycle in Rocky Horror. Does that count? Yeah, that counts I as being in Mad Max. I don't think Rocky Horror is a Mad Max movie. No, it is. Mm-hmm. Louise is oh, right. Okay. <laughs> They're making a man in a tank. Don't they do that in Mad Max? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the secret origin story of the character Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he's so mad. That's why he's so good at shooting people what is he good at what is his thing uh he gets into Surviving, it, I guess. He gets into goofs and scrapes <laughs> yeah goofs he's a real goof about he mostly I've gets only... into shenanigans that he can't get himself out of very easily <laughs> i've only ever seen the good one which by which i mean fury road and mm-hmm. i don't know if the older ones are any good or at all what they're about but in my mind they are just crocodile dundee but in a post-apocalyptic world i think that's true i i also same have only seen fury road but i do know tina turner wears chain mail high heels in one of them yeah that's, that's cool. beyond thunderdome i do want to go that's back cool. and watch the other ones um but i don't know i'm not I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of George Miller's output in general. I feel like Fury Road was kind of a fluke. Like, I don't hate <laughs> Babe, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I I do love, um... What's that guy's name? George Cromwell? What is his name? James Cromwell? James Cromwell. I love James Cromwell, and mm-hmm. I feel like he really got a career boost out of Babe, so I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. Fair. Uh, I've never seen Happy Feet, or if I have, I don't remember. And those are the George Miller movies I know about. Cool. How to fix blown speakers. Um, Throw them away and buy new ones. <laughs> your speaker gets blown when the, the cone... wax paper, the, yeah. Yeah, it, it, the paper or, like, aluminum cone gets disconnected from the housing. So you just need to take off the cover and then either solder or glue the cone back to the housing, and then it'll be fine. Yeah, I know good ones have, like you say, <laughs> aluminum, but I've had ones that I've been able to fix because the wax paper has uh, broken free and you just put in some <laughs> new wax paper. Louise, are you thinking about a kazoo? Yeah, that's right. It plays like one great song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one great note. The hamster dance. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. I'm thinking about how to, prying parts how to, of my car apart as a teen and putting new wax paper in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the only thing they did to pimp your ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how to get to Erie Peak. Is that a video uh, game thing? Go to the mall mm. mm-hmm. and uh, I guess go to the American Eagle store and ask them. Practice, that- practice, practice. Yeah, they'll be like, here's yeah. our alcove, which is all underwear for 90 pound uh, teenagers and nobody mm-hmm. else. And buy it, and that's eerie. When you said eerie, I thought you meant like spooky and creepy, and I was oh, like, if only watch an episode of Scooby Doo. Yes, 
You say 90-pound teens, and that's interesting because the teens are 90 pounds and the underwear also costs 90 pounds. This Woo! is a hey. commentary. This is, this is English Eagle. <laughs> wow, incredible cult shot from Louisa. <laughs> Eerie Peak is in war, uh, World of Warcraft. Hell oh, yeah. Nice. You know how I know? Because that is a very cool name, and real-life places don't actually get cool names. <laughs> They're always I, in And you love World of Warcraft. <laughs> I do need to take umbrage at the fact that Jeff is again doing the thing that the board censured him for oh. earlier of continuing to look up something when I'm making a new, much better joke. Mm. And I think we really need to explore English Eagle. Yeah. As... <laughs> you placed a five minute limit, and that was like 30 seconds ago. Yeah, that's true. But English Eagle was so powerful, and I just didn't want it, it to go away. Good. Like, they, a shirtless uh, 20 something sprays you with tea. <laughs> When Hold you on. walk in. Christ. Isn't Amber- Abercrombie and Fitch English Yeah, that's English Eagle. Yeah. Is it? Based Are on the name. Yeah, I, I believe they are, because they go way back into, like, Great White Hunter times. Like, that's how they got their start. I thought they were, like, an American army supplier in the, like, mm. 1800s or something originally. Now I'm confused. The name I know that in an right. episode of M.A.S.H., they order a bathtub from Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, authentic... American clothing from 1892. Damn it. Mm -hmm. See, there is no English eagle. (laughs) The trouble is Abercrombie is such an English name. Actually, it is too. How can they do this? How can they do this to us? I mean, Abercrombie is like a Welsh name, right? Uh, Maybe. Not enough consonants. It's established (laughs) in like uh, Agatha Christie stories. There's several Abercrombies. Hmm. No, he's from Abercrombie and Fitch does sound like it could be an Agatha, Agatha Christie series like Tommy and Tuppence. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Oh, I was thinking it was like Steed and Mrs. Peel. Yeah, all the same. The Avengers, the original, yeah. the British ones. I just said Tommy and Tuppence because the name of that series is literally just two people's names. <laughs> could Steed and Peel be the English Eagles? <laughs> Is this anything? Explain. Uh, they would have a clothing store also. They are the equivalent. Oh, so the only thing you can buy in there is like skin tight, like Leather. vinyl <laughs> cat suits. And bowler hats and umbrellas. Guys, I think that the movie Kingsman is about English Eagle. Yes. <laughs> the store English Eagle. You're right. Yes. All right, is it? I've never seen any of those movies. Oh, you probably enjoyed the first one at least. I don't like that guy. What's the guy? Mm. The main Hansel guy that's not Elgort. Colin Firth. Uh, Taron Egerton. That's right. Yeah, I don't. I don't like him. I don't like his face. Yeah, he's got a very smooth, weird meat face. He's fairly charming in the movie. If that helps uh, alleviate he his such weird a face syndrome. Face. Mm, uh, he does get like his him. face slapped a lot too. So. Oh, okay. All right. I'm I'm warming up to it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the premise of that is that there's some kind of secret James Bond organization, and the front for it is like a men's suit store. Yeah, it's very good. Um, also, there's a uh, death. I won't spoil anything, but there's a death that happens in that movie that is so shocking. <laughs> I was so surprised. It's very good. I won't spoil anything, but somebody was dead the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And his name rhymes with Loose Billis. <laughs> mm. Oh no, Loose Billis, my favorite actor. <laughs> I really liked him on the Carol Burnett show. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. God, it just sounds like an old-fashioned name. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man, there's so many ones about speakers. Here's one that uh, upsets me. How to install in-wall speakers. 
That seems mm-hmm. like a very bad idea because surely it would uh, vibrate your whole wall and give you bad sound quality. They're actually really interesting because what it is is it looks like it's part of the wall, but you cut out a piece of the drywall and then you put a membrane over it and mm. then paint it the same color as the rest of the wall. Okay. Wait, but does it sit inside there with some kind of insulation or something? Yeah, so every wall in your house has, like, two walls with a layer of insulation in between. Yeah. And you just, like, cut a hole in that, in one of those walls and the insulation, and then you can put the speaker in and then cover it up with this membrane and paint it over. It's pretty cool. I'm just thinking when you're watching uh, your Mad Max Fury Roads and the guys playing Mm -hmm. the crazy guitar, it would vibrate Mm -hmm. your wall so much it wouldn't be enjoyable. Uh, no. Okay. I mean, do you feel that way about regular speakers? Because it's basically the same sometimes, thing. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes they vibrate in a very irritating <laughs> well, way. Well, turn your goddamn TV down. Especially if um, Benedict Cumberbatch is talking. He's got too much mm. bass in his voice, and sometimes it's bad. Yes, yeah, famously uh, hyper-masculine, deep-voiced Benedict Cumberbatch. He has an incredibly deep voice. Yeah, I'm when, not making that up. When he plays Doctor Strange, the main thing he does is kind of make his voice sound like this. <laughs> Like now I'm, uh, now I'm uh, an American. Hey, see, I'm the I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. It's, see, it's me, Stephen Strange from the United States of America. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and scene. Yep. How to flood team speak? What does that mean? I have no idea. Is this like a Google Hangouts or a Zoom? Yeah, I think it's for uh, Google Hangouts for gamers. Oh, how do you flood it? Is this like when you do a Twitch raid where you bring all your rowdy friends over to Uh, yell and talk over someone's uh, business meeting? Maybe. I was thinking it was like that game... Who's uh, having a business meeting on Twitch? (laughs) That's why you flood it. It's so funny. Gamers, Jeff. Gamers have business meetings on Twitch. Yeah, it's the city council of SimCity. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Do you think that you could... um, do you think that you could, like, get a Twitch following if you just streamed all of your, like, work meetings <laughs> on Twitch? Mm, maybe. maybe. You'd also get fired, though. You'd definitely get fired. It would have to be, like, a Twitch plays Tim Tim's job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I they think could control you what you work. do at work. <laughs> as, as, Tell this guy Oh, yes, I love this! Yeah. Oh, this is a good idea. I mean, this is basically... We're getting very close to just inventing um, the Stanley Paradox, or whatever it's called. Parable. It's a parable. Parable, that's the one. Hmm. I should play that um, new one I, w- I was thinking maybe flooding TeamSpeak was like that, uh, the the game theory concept of flooding the zone, mm, where you just... Wink, 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 wink. What? What? I don't know why Jeff is winking, flooding but Flooding the fine. zone. Um, flood in yeah. the game theory of flooding the zone is if you have some piece of information that you don't want your opponents to find out about, uh, you release a ton of bad information along with that one piece of good information ah, okay. so that they can't tell which of it is real and which of it is fake. Mm. In in business worlds, isn't that collusion? <laughs> Uh no. No, that's so. that's if, more like propaganda or like misinformation. If more than one business does it to help all of them to like to not be competitive, <laughs> then sure. But yes. uh, that the, kind of team speak. It's it's like when Nintendo wants to release a new Pokemon game, so instead of just trademarking the names they're gonna use, they trademark like thirty different names so yeah. that nobody knows what the name will be called. Yeah, exactly. and you can't go and buy Pokemon dot pizza. 
blue milk your or domain. blue harvest what was it what was the yeah, blue, blue harvest was blue return harvest. of the jedi i think yeah <clears throat> pokemon blue harvest would be a fun game pokemon blue harvest and red pokemon crimson red. tide uh, oh, nope. red, That's... red balloons i think blue harvest and crimson tide works pretty well that is pretty good yeah <laughs> Uh, the Blue Harvest and the Red October. Yep. Yeah, there it is. It's all fall-themed. How to evaluate a speaker. Uh, as ah, we all know... See as if we all, the wax paper's bad and replace it, maybe. The, as we all know, there are 15 uh, areas in which we evaluate speakers. Balance, weight, size, eyes, ears, head, muzzle, whiskers, teeth, tail, Shoulders, legs, coat, and color. Whiskers? That's rough, huh? What if the whiskers are all fucked up? Uh, Rough. Yeah. The sound a dog makes. Apparently they judge the whiskers based on thickness, and I feel like there's so many more aspects of whiskers you need to Yeah. The most important thing a dog can do is have, they call the markings pumpkin seeds, have eyebrows that are a different color from the rest of their face. That is the Mm. best thing a dog can do. Yeah. Are those whiskers? You gotta follow follow the whiskers one. Okay, we're following. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have good whisker fitness. Fitting this head into this small place because I measured it with my whiskers. Oh, okay. Yeah, alright. No, you won me over okay. at the end there. <laughs> Thank you, I was so nervous. <laughs> that was more of a cat thing than a dog thing, but I still... Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. well, I'm sure that cat whiskers are part of the cat show thing. Well, a cat show's a different thing. Yeah, there are cat shows. No, shut up, Jeff. <laughs> Wait, is there? Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like cat I'm too innocent to get any of Jeff's. I feel like part of it is that I'm too innocent to get any of Jeff's dirty jokes, yeah. and part of it is that Jeff's dirty jokes are referencing things that don't exist and aren't real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure cat show used to be a slang for like a burlesque striptease. Probably cat house was certainly a bordello. Yeah. Bordello of blood, the vampires. Make a custom speaker box? Is that just, you remix the album speaker box? Yeah. But not Love Below. You do yeah, not you take it. You get away from Andre 3000. <laughs> uh, sometimes I get confused about which one is which for those two names, but then I'm like, no, of course Andre 3000 is the Love Below. That's a crazy mm-hmm. uh, slogan that doesn't mean anything. Of course that's yeah, him. That's his style to a T. <laughs> uh, man, Outcast is so good. It is. You're right. Yeah, but I do, I have to say, I do prefer the Key and Peele uh, parodies of IOCast. <laughs> I don't know, hmm, it's been a long time since I watched Key and Peele. When Andre 3000 is like a crazy sprite who doesn't exist in the real world or eat food. <laughs> That's true, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, how to improve listening and speaking. I think this is something we all could do better at. And by we all, I mean the three of us, not everyone on Earth. Uh, I think you need to improve your listening to improve your speaking, and none of us are improving our listening, which is keeping mm-hmm. us in a holding pattern. Sorry, can True. you... What, what was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, people are often, like, saying that the way to improve yourself as a person is to be, be- a better listener. Mm-hmm. But, I like... How much of that is is your personality? <laughs> like, yeah, are you an asshole who doesn't listen to people when they talk? I am. The end. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is hard though to find that balance and like 
I worry that if someone's talking to me about their life and I'm saying, oh, here's something from my life that relates, am I mm-hmm. talking too much about myself? And it is very hard to tell when, when you need to just listen to them and talk about their thing and when you need to introduce your thing. I don't know. Yeah, one of the things that I found so shocking in the world of, like, social interactions is I have always had, like, I don't even know if this is something I was raised with or something I saw on, like, kids' TV or whatever, but, like, interrupting somebody else while they're talking is is the height of bad manners in my mind. Mm. But there are so many people who, A, have no problem interrupting other people talking. Mm-hmm. That's the only way they speak. And B, will continue talking themselves until they are interrupted. Like, yeah. they'll just keep repeating themselves and going, circling around, expecting to be interrupted, and be surprised that you're just sitting there waiting. Yeah, waiting for them to stop talking. Oh my yeah. god, that makes me crazy. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, do, do you want people to interrupt you? Are you training people to do that? I mean, part of this might be because I live in southern New Jersey, so, you know. Yeah. Somebody's always going, oh, hey! Yeah, somebody's always making a pizza pie. (laughs) Yeah, they're always talking about phoning home for a (laughs) cheesesteak. Oh, God. It sounded like you were trying to do, like, an E.T. thing a little bit. Well, that's just Just because those are the two words that uh, the the Delaware Valley accent pronounces awful. Mm. I what like about, the, uh, see, Jeff, you say you don't like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but the way Rob McElhinney says Pipkin is, you would love that. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. That is, that is to me, like, like when somebody in Scream answers the phone and they hear Ghostface's voice and their face drops, that's me when I hear the Delaware Valley accent. <laughs> like, oh no, not again. Yeah. Oh no, Drew Bar- Barrymore is getting stabbed somewhere. <laughs> Well, she didn't know to be scared yet. She was the first one. I mean, she knew she was in a movie called Scream. Mm, I wonder. I guess Drew Barrymore knew the character. She yeah, was that's playing, what I'm saying. Yeah, but her character didn't have a name, so who knows? They probably did, right? Yeah, she her name was Casey. Oh uh, well. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the big Scream head here. Yeah. I didn't know. I I forgot that you had that tattoo of Ghostface over your face. Yeah. Well, that's just because I'm a big fan of the Wu Tang Clan and Ghostface Killer in particular. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It all everything you're saying makes sense. I know. <laughs> this, is, this is our problem. This is us enabling each other. Everything you're saying no, makes sense. That... We shouldn't be saying that. No, we're doing it right. We're listening to each other, and then we're speaking to each other about how good we're doing. Yeah, we're we're yes, full stopping. Yeah, exactly. Like, ooh, good joke. Yes. Speaking of full stop, thanks everyone for listening to the show. If you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. uh, And please uh, tell your friends about the show so we can continue to grow our audience. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod. And uh, you can uh, join our Discord if you want to talk to us directly by messaging us on Mastodon. I'm at Matt Heron at Mastodon.online. Uh, I'm also online, weaponizedlanguage.com. Don't find me. Uh, I'm trying to get off Twitter, so if you want to send me a, a Instagram follow request, you can do that. I'm JeffJK on Instagram. All right, you can talk to me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. All right, does everyone remember their new catchphrases we had written for us by AI this week? Uh, I didn't oh, get no. one. 
Oh, oh Jack, you didn't get one. You could have one of mine. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on. Let me bring up. Let me bring up our Discord channel, and I'll find. All right. It. Well, while Jeff's doing that, I'm going to claim the better one for myself, <laughs> and I'm going to say, "All right, guys, thanks for listening to the show. Please come back next week. But in the meantime, don't forget: if it's not Matt, it's not worth it. You're not living if you're not matting." <laughs> <laughs> I assumed you would put your own name yeah, in there. Yeah, me but... too. <laughs> I, tr- I, trust the, I trust the algorithm. <laughs> That's a good catchphrase. Uh, all right, and mine is, here we go. <clears throat> I'm the best around. Ooh, that'll be good when the end music kicks in after you say that. <laughs> I should have taken, yeah, the uh, end music is going to be that song the from Karate, Karate Kid, Kid theme song, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, I should have taken on the best around. That's a nice neutral one, and then I could have left a little no! bit that long one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not fair. I'm the one who found them. I came up with that. Yeah. You can get your own. <laughs>